What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on the mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. And in the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener and thought leaders, to explore what needs to get done. Joining me today is Henry Pickafet, who's the editorial director at TechCrunch. TechCrunch, of course, being the massive news website dedicated to the tech scene. Henry has a bachelor's in English from the California State University, Chico, and a master's in liberal studies from the New School for Social Research in New York. Henry joined TechCrunch nine years ago as a copy editor. Prior to joining TechCrunch, Henry had a hand in a number of online and print publications, including internetnews.com and Government Technology Magazine. Henry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. I always start in this uh, second uh, season with the same question. From your perspective, what's the state of journalism today? So you always start with the big question. I always start with a big question. Take it wherever you want, Henry. <laughs> the state, I mean, the state of journalism in, in media uh, in, in, in general, it's, it's complex, it's fraught, um, but it's multifaceted, it's big. Um, and, and we've watched the development of it you know, in, throughout history. It, it's people have had issues with it. People have claimed fake news, et cetera, misinformation, all of those things, right? And, but here we are. Um, this is an easy thing to say. Um, the first time in history, we've had the most people with the most voices using the most, taking advantage of the most opportunities that they've ever had to use their voices. And it's not limited to, you know, your, your newspaper that we used to get, you know, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years, that's all we had was a newspaper. And then but now we have obviously the internet and Twitter and, and Facebook and, and Instagram and, and, and TikTok and, and all of these different ways, not to mention substacks and, and mediums and, and all of that, right? So all of the ways that we have to express our voices um, are exponentially increased. And, and, and now it's about figuring out for each individual how they actually wanna receive their information. So it's a big question because all of those things that I just mentioned, we could talk half hour about each of them and about their impact on society at large. Yeah, for sure. And um, we, we tried to put it in 20 minutes, but there's so much to unpack there, of course. Um, specifically in tech reporting, how big of a problem is misinformation? So pro pro I'm, I'm hanging on the word problem. Um, in tech reporting, just in general, as, as with reporting, it's, 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 it's really no different. Right. The way that we tell the stories, you, you, you find the stories you want to tell, you pitch the stories that you accept, and then you tell that story. You talk to people, you find sources, you find valuable sources, you find the CEOs all the way down to the investors. And, and what we at TechCrunch you know, want to always ensure that we're doing is, is making sure that the, the pool of folks that we're pulling for the sources are from a diverse background. Um, but, but also... We tell sensitive stories. Everybody tells sensitive stories. All the outlets do. And what you have to do is you have to have layers upon layers of editing. You have to have multiple sources. You have to ensure that what the people are telling you is sound. And then you have to just engage with your sources and, and have conversations with them. 
um, and then make sure you're accurately reflecting um, their intention in the story. Um, even if you don't agree with that, even if the next source you talk to doesn't agree with that, that's your job as a reporter to tell that news. And then the reporter files the story and then one editor sees it and then another editor sees it and then another editor might see it. And then it goes to copy edit and then it goes online. Um, you've been with uh, TechCrunch for almost a decade now. Have you seen the uh, form or the content creation or content distribution changing in adoption to how uh, the landscape in trust and distrust in the internet changed? Yeah, well, for me personally, when I started, I started as a copy editor. You edit copy. Um, but then nine years ago till now, um, we're talking about video distribution that, that we had and still have. Um, we talk about, um, you and I are talking right now on Zoom, uh, when, when COVID hit, suddenly we're using um, platforms to, to reach out to our, our audience, not through words, you know, through spoken word, but not through written words. So it's, it's we take, we break up, if we're going to tell features, if we're going to, if we're going to uh, report um, funding rounds, or uh, uh, it, it, how industries are, are, are innovating, right? Um, there are so many different ways that I have seen just since I, you know, just since I started nine years ago, from from the written word to video to shows to podcasts, which I'm particularly interested in and love. Um, newsletters, obviously, right? So, um, which I also particularly love. So, um, all of those things that that is what's happened. And so, are we in a position where, or at a point where we're going to look at everything that we have to offer? and then figure out a way to combine a couple of those categories in certain ways and distribute it that way? Or are we just gonna keep doing this, this, this lateral, this linear um, foundation of, of production, of what, what information, news, features, interviews, um, and pitch offs? You know, this is another thing that TechCrunch does uniquely is, is talk to its audience by reaching out to startups, and then we give them a platform and they're telling their own stories. Sometimes we tell the stories through the written word. Sometimes we interview them on a podcast. And sometimes they're telling their own story and have the opportunity to tell their own story on stage, um, which for most of them is, is, is a really, really big deal. And so ultimately, it's always about the human um, behind the story and for me and for, for everyone I work with. And it's, it's great to observe. And one more thing on this point is that maybe nine years ago, I just woke up and I did my, I read every day and I, and I copied it right now. It's like, I wake up every day. And it's like, what can we possibly do next? And if it feels like that, I don't have the answer today. I might have half of an answer next Tuesday and then, and then I'll go to sleep and have a dream and then I'll wake up and then that answer is, that idea is complete. And then that happens in, in, in two weeks. And then I, I talk to a couple of people and we see what we can do. And that's why I like being so nimble at TechCrunch. Um, being able to, to fire up all of these ideas that we do and, and little events that we do and, and being able to pivot so quickly um, when COVID hit to putting, having events on online, right, on, on in real time, right? Um, so we just did a, a local event in Pittsburgh the other day. I'm in Sacramento, but we had the mayor of Pittsburgh. We had the, somebody from Duolingo. We had uh, the president of the CMU. So all of these opportunities, we can just fire them up this quickly. And it, it's, it's really, it's an exciting time to go back to your first question. Um, it's an exciting time. 
Uh, and uh, by the way, I love how, how holistic TechCrunch is reporting on the whole industry. It's really from funding, building profiles. It's, it's really great how you do that. Um, you mentioned a Substack and, and newsletters. And wh where do you see trust in the internet going? Will it be more trust into specific persons? Or is there, uh, yeah, how do you, I think, what I want to ask is, how do you build a brand? And what's the future of a brand like TechCrunch uh, over the, let's say, over the coming nine years? Right, okay. The, well, you, you had started the question with talking about Substack and how you build a brand there. And I want to, I want to hit that a little bit because I, 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 when I moved to New York to go to grad school, there was no way that I was going to email every single one of my friends what I was doing every day, right? And then, so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to blogger.com and I'm going to start a blog. And I got home every night and I, I would write and then I wouldn't even reread it. I would hit the publish button. I wasn't caring about building a brand. I was, I was hoping my friends would read this thing. Fast forward now that that's, I don't know, it's about a 700 page book worth of writing that I did on that, but I don't write on it anymore. But now what we, Substack is, is like that. Um, uh, Medium had been like that, right? Still is. And so, and so from building a brand, on the other side of that, what you have is the reader and the person that that writer is writing to, is speaking to, right? And so those readers now suddenly have so much choice and so much um, um, power in looking for what they want. And so a, a newspaper might hold a writer back sometimes. And this is why that writer can now go and say what they want to say. Um, and, and, and again, the variety of voices and the diversity of voices is very important. And so that's why I think that's an exciting time. And so why I think, you know, the existence of, 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 of platforms like Substack give writers opportunity, right? So with TechCrunch and to your question, um, we welcome it, like it's alongside us. And so what we, we also have individual writers, obviously, who have their voices. And so personally, me as an editor, my concern is always with the writer. I always want them to be able to have their voice. I'm going to check it, but I always want them to be able to have their voice because that's a sense of ownership. And that from there is where you start to, you, you, that's the only chance you have to even start to try to build a brand is the voice. And so TechCrunch, we don't have a TechCrunch voice. We, we have a TechCrunch voice per se, but we have individual writers who contribute to that. Without each of those writers, TechCrunch doesn't have a voice. And so all of that combined, compared with all the other voices out there in the world, the many, many varied voices out there in the world, it's, it's just this, this vastness of riches. And how do you expect content um, this discovery to be uh, by the end of this decade? Because for example, today over 70% is discovered on search engines and social media. Is that something, how will that change over the coming years? Would you expect? I mean, look, I mentioned earlier, I love podcasts uh, in vain. Once a week, I hit the search button and I want new things to listen to. Right. And, and it's hard. And so there is noise with all of this comes noise. And so in a way, the burden almost lot is rest on the reader, on the consumer, right? On the listener, on the viewer. And so for that, you know, I'm smiling right now because I have no idea. It's, I, I want to say marketing, but I'm not a marketer. So then what ends up happening is you're inundated with, with 
marketing newsletters and uh, promoted tweets and ads on Facebook when you visit Facebook, which I rarely do. And so um, it is hard. And so what you what you have to do and what I what I will go back to is the voice, right? You get that first reader in with and be by being who you are um, organically. Uh, you get that first reader and that first reader is going to come back and then they're going to share a story and then they're going to do that and they're going to keep doing it. So you've got to be honest and you've got to tell the stories that need to be told and that deserve to be told. You know, there are a number of historically excluded folks in the world who are trying to break into tech, who don't, who don't, who aren't recognized, who don't get traction. Um, and so we often have a discussion about diversity and about the sources where we're, we're tapping to to tell their stories, right? And it's, 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 I think a lot of, actually, I'm not speaking for anybody, but I, you know, I, I can imagine it's like, oh, diversity, 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 okay, okay, okay. It's become such a loaded term and, and I don't like it. Um, just talk to people and just learn their stories and then make sure you're telling the right story because there are people who found companies that people don't know about because a writer has written about the company, but failed to mention the person who actually founded it, who actually did the hard work to do it um, because, because they're black or brown, because they're, they're gay, they're, they're from, um, you know, not the United States, right? So that, and we, we're not, we aren't trying to write that wrong. We're trying to just ensure that we just always tell the stories and, and, and go the, and, and make the effort. And honestly, it's not that much of an effort. And Henry, is there, I know that the topic of diversity is one that's close to your heart. It's a topic that's close to my heart. Is there anything specifically you can say on diversity and trust? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Probably have a lot to say about it. But one of the things, when we bring it back to trust, though, that's, that's really, it's, it's a good point to start. It's a good place to start because, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, you just get that one reader and they then come back. Well, imagine, imagine kids or teens from, from historically excluded backgrounds who are reading a story, but they're constantly reading stories um, about companies whose founders are, have just raised a series C and they're three white guys. Um, but imagine if those same teens continually see stories about those same three white guys and um, the black woman from, from Arkansas who created a, a, a robotic startup that's killing it, but, but she might not have the marketing um, acumen to make sure that people know her story. So that's why I want to go out and find those stories because those teens, you know, they're like, I can do this. I mean, it, it really is that simple. And I know this conversation is, is ongoing and it began, began a long, long, long time ago. It depends on what circles you were in, but it will be ongoing and it will shift. I really do think it will continue to shift, but it has to be everybody's responsibility to make sure they're telling the stories because you know that is what helps to engender trust um, in readers. And then, and then they're like, oh, the, the, these folks are telling my story. I actually, my story is worth telling. My, my idea is worth pursuing. Um, and just because I'm from wherever and I go to whatever city, because investors are everywhere now, not just in Silicon Valley, I'm going to go to whatever city. I'm going to get them up on Zoom, get them up on the, on the phone, and I'm going to fight for my idea because I'm worth it. And then, like, I think what's ended up happening is just it's so easy to get the, the, the low-hanging fruit to cover 
you get press releases in your inbox and it's very easy to cover them. Some of those are important stories, yes. And there are other important stories that aren't in our inboxes. So we need to go and find them and make sure that people know that they can also reach out to us and tell us those stories. Wonderful. And does the fact that we do more on Zoom nowadays over the last 18 months, does that help in uh, doing, in being more inclusive in, re in reporting and telling stories? 100%. And, but think about this. So yes, obviously it's a, you know, you, you're, you're in Amsterdam, right? And we're having a conversation and, and there's no break in, in connection, right? Um, and then you have people who are wherever and they're like, I, I'm going to reach out to this investor and some investors, open your doors, open your inboxes, investors, receive those pitches and look at all of them and, and make sure your, your funding is inclusive. So, and pick up the phone and get on Zoom, right? But we also have to think about the fact that, you know, it depends on where you are. It depends on how old you are. Probably like if you're still at home, if you're a teenager, you're still at home, you have this amazing idea. If your internet doesn't work, you know, that is inherently ex exclusionary. There are people who hadn't been able to go to school last year because they didn't have an internet connection. So think about that. And that means they're missing out on learning. An idea that they might've had or would have had in a year and a half might not happen um, because they can't even access the internet. So there's two big sides of that. Yes, 100%. It is maybe 95% after what I just said, but Zoom, Zoom has made this, this pandemic, you know, um, people have been able to communicate. And I, I, we've written articles, we published articles about um, startups being able to get funding in the era of Zoom right now, right? And I do believe that it will continue because why not? Um, and on the other side of that, though, there is still there's still a digital divide, right? And there's still those kinds of issues that we really do. It's not just people in their 20s and 30s. We, I, let's tap into the teens and let's make sure that, that their ideas, young adults, call them young adults. Um, uh, let's um, make sure that their ideas are also heard. And like, you know, if, they're, if they don't have broadband, then if they can't learn, if an eight-year-old can't learn STEM um, or hell, even, you know, read because they can't follow along in class then they're um missing out on valuable conversations communication right and all of that um and potentially seeing a teacher look back at them saying i believe in you let's do this as best we can all of that leads into media which is what is informing the world right now wonderful it's uh yeah i, I love how you brought the two topics together and um Shifting gears a bit uh, towards the end of uh, this episode, there's you have a broad overview of the technology space. You have uh, worked on a government technology magazine. So to lead the internet forwards towards an internet where we can trust what we find, where we can see what's trustworthy, what's the role for an internet with less misinformation, uh, more trust? What's the role of big tech platforms and what should be the role of governments to build a trusted web a more trustworthy internet a big question i know well okay i will say my i my first day of TechCrunch uh nine years ago was actually the first day of disrupt sf that year um the very next day mark zuckerberg was the guest was on stage the pavilion which is no longer there in san francisco was 
packed and people were filing and filing and filing it. And um, it was hot in there because there were so many people in there. I would argue that if he were a guest at Disrupt in September, that auditorium would still, well, if it could be packed, it would be packed, um, but for very different reasons. Um, in the last decade, probably longer, you've got big tech, as you call it, going and going and going and, and air quote innovating. And, and I will say reaching out to people and enabling people to connect, yes. And then it became this chase for money. How, how are they gonna, they just became one, $1 trillion valued company. How, how does that happen? Money, advertising, yours and my eyeballs and us clicking on those things that we see, right? But then you've got government. And one of the things I did at Government Technology was I, I, call, I wrote a column every uh, month talking to CIOs of local governments, so city and state and county. And, you know, the conversations were like, what are you doing to bring your systems online? Because it was 1998, you know? And so when I'm talking to government, which is using, you know, maybe slower platforms, slower systems, and then, but now, but it was about that time when, when they started to understand that they needed to be more adaptive technology, right? But then you've got the policy side of it, which is going extremist. And this is all we're, I mean, how many congressional hearings are we gonna have in the next 12 months, right? Discussing antitrust, it's just gonna continue. We've had antitrust trials for a long time, hearings for a long time, long, long time. Now it's just tech. And you know, now Amazon is in the crosshairs and, and it's and continue to be in the crosshairs and it's gonna be Facebook is gonna continue to be there, right? And so. Um, the, the quick answer to that, which I should have started off with is, I don't know, but that's not how you conduct an interview. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for elaborating. Thanks for being articulate. <laughs> so it has to change though, because that trust part, um, you have to be able to trust your government and then you want to be able to trust the platforms that you use. And so, you know, into the cybersecurity folks who are educating us, everybody, listen to them, make your system secure, but also just keep reading, maybe read offline, but, but, but read the publications that you trust, read the voices that you trust. And then I'm not even going to say let's trust in the government and hope that the policy, I would think, I do believe that the policy will continue to evolve because I mean, it has to just in the last year, look what's happened. And so, you know, it is a relationship among the platforms, the reader, the consumer, and government in, in this particular instance to have a relationship of some sort. Um, because I want to trust what I'm reading and I want to trust that my government's taking care of me and making sure I'm okay, right? So. Is, is there a hope? What will, by the end of this decade, will the internet be a better place? Yes. And who's, is, is there a continent or a platform leading? <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm not, I have no idea. I think, I do think that, I do think that this is, you know, TechCrunch and other tech pubs and other, main, you know, not tech pubs need to continue to, to, to scrutinize these companies, right? These platforms. So that, you know, I'm going to turn that question back. I'm not going to turn it back on you, but I'm going to uh, challenge it only in that, like, is there, is there somebody we can trust now? Well, we have to keep asking the questions to make sure we can trust them. Because if, if and, and you know, Twitter is trying to make these little uh, uh, advancements and, you know, trying to label tweets misinformation, well, that's, that's all well and good, thank you. And it's, it's happened this way because it fell out of control. 
you know, and, and everybody has a voice on Twitter. Anybody can go do 280 characters in rapid fire. And so um, we have to continue to tell those stories and we have to continue to challenge what they're doing and then get somebody from, from Congress on the, on the phone and say, well, what do you think they're doing and what are you doing to ensure that this changes or improves? Yeah, I, I'm super thankful for the insights you shared, for the ideas you shared regarding the uh, diversity, inclusion, trust, and the technology. And we can talk for hours, I'm sure, on the role of technology and how open source can bring transparency, accountability, whatever. Uh, I'm super thankful for your time, uh, Henry. Thanks for being a guest. Any closing thoughts? Uh, hey, you know, just talk to people and get everybody's stories and just make sure that what you're reading, you can engage with. You can talk to the people you're reading and make sure to seek out the stories that you're not used to reading. Henry Pickafet, thank you for being a guest on the Trusted Web Podcast. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. I'll see you in Amsterdam. See you in Amsterdam. It is well known that today the public trust into media organizations is low and therefore we've surveyed a global audience to better understand what publishers can do to increase trust with their audience. We've released these findings in our fresh report called Trust in Publishing 2021. You'll find the report, the show notes of this episode and many other valuable resources at thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Once again, thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.